Hi, I'm Jason. I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 12, The Royale. Nothing, nothing oh, clever. The Royale with cheese. <laughs> yeah, I was... I mean, that worked. Well, <laughs> Keeping it. It's it's Andrew before the break. Here we go. And break. Jean-Luc, Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Wyke is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Normally our guests uh, are introduced here, but uh, Andrew is not going to wait on an introduction. Andrew, good to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining us again. Good to be back. You could not wait, I guess. Uh, here's what I'm going to say. I'm excited about this. I requested this episode. You did. Like, when you guys said, we are going to do a podcast, I said, I want this episode. Yeah, so Burns has asked a bunch of guests, and they're like, how did they get this episode? And they all kind of shrug. Um, when I when Andrew, when I first was talking to him in first season about being on the show, he was like, don't worry about first season. I just want the Royale. Like, that's how long ago this was. So I think what I want to know is probably very similar to what anyone else listening to this would want to know. I would like to know too. Uh, why? Well, oh, th- this why? this episode is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't. I I had not watched this in years when I uh-huh. called it out. All I remembered was I wanted the episode with NASA in it. Yep, and I was like, yeah, there. "There's NASA in this. I'm I'm the space flight NASA guy. I want this episode." Yeah, you're and not then I wrong. watched it, and I was like, Ugh. "Yeah, it um, there, and it's an early shout out too. It's an early yeah, call out yeah. to to NASA. I mean, it's 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 there. It's up front. I believe also what I what I caught on that was uh, not only is it a you know NASA with the U.S. flag, but don't they make a specific call out to the number of stars on the flag too to try yeah, to make 52. it? Yeah, fifty two. Yeah, we were fifty two. That like and that put it between. I don't know, like twenty thirty and twenty sixty or something, maybe twenty seventy. Yeah. So twenty thirty seven and twenty seventy nine. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to take a gander uh, at at the thought experiment that would be what are states fifty one and fifty two? I mean, because that <laughs> thinking Puerto about Rico, that, yeah, New, New Jersey Rico and Guam, Puerto Rico and Guam. You think so? Yeah, that's probably uh, this episode is eighty nine, uh, getting close to ninety. I'm sure that's probably what they were thinking, right? Like. Puerto or Rico it's a, Guam, uh, that'd be right around the corner. Or it's a Northern California, Southern California split. There you go. Also, uh, Northern Colorado tried to split off from regular Colorado a couple years ago. I'm, you know, I'm going to pick a dark horse uh, pick here, and I'm just going to say uh, Canada and Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> this is this is extreme 1980s mega them, manifest destiny. Each of them one state. That yep. would kind of. Uh, <laughs> I mean that would really break what what little there is left to break of the electoral college, but <laughs> and we are not going to go any further than that because this is not a politics podcast. So, so yeah, this episode is um, it is not good. We did kind of get that out there right away at the beginning, but I'm gonna go ahead and say this, and this may be an unpopular opinion. Uh, it's kind of charming, like, and I at least from my perspective. Um, it's really meta, right? It, it, it really knows what meta. it's doing. Yes, yes. And I can't... Here's the thing. If something comes out and just looks me straight in the eye and just like, you know what? This is really stupid. <laughs> I'm I'm already on your side. You've already won me over. And they basically do that. They're just like, this is mega dumb. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm here. You, I got gotcha. you. Because the whole premise, I mean... We'll skip around a little bit because, I mean, I don't think we have to go A to B, especially on what little, you know, plot there is here. But but 
the premise is that on this strange and exotic alien planet where they're looking for a missing NASA spaceman, they find themselves trapped in a crummy dime store detective <laughs> yep. novel. I mean, just an absolutely dreadful novel. Yeah, the premise that like these aliens found this book on him um, <clears throat> and thought this was the world. Uh, I'm, I'm read I'm paraphrasing through this uh, quote from Colonel Ritchie. Um, presuming that the novel we had on board had uh, was a guide to our preferred li- lifestyle and social habits. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, but then the quote that is the most, like, just strange quote, I hold no malice towards my benefactors. They could not possibly know the hell they have put me through, for it was such a badly written book filled with endless cliche and shallow characters that I shall welcome death when it comes. Yeah. Like, that line is the line of where it's like oh wow this is a bad episode because it's a bad book because we're telling you that and it's just surreal it's a very weird episode now imagine that exact epitaph as an amazon review (laughs) of this book (laughs) yeah i was i was really hoping that this book existed and that the writer of the episode just really hated that person (laughs) and (laughs) he was like i'm gonna really get back at them let me tell them Yep, yep. It's um so I mean I can't I can't summon it within me to hate it outright. I I it's not good. And I mean I still think I don't think it absolves you of all your sins to be like to look at the camera and wink and go this is really not good because I mean at the end of the, the end of the show people have to be entertained, but I there's like I said there's just something kind of endearing about it. So I've watched this this episode probably about six times now, uh-huh. and I've and I've gone back and forth. I'm like, this is this is okay, and I'm like, this is terrible. And I go, this is okay, and then I go, I don't even know what to make of this episode anymore. It's yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So let's uh, let's talk about that. Let's put stuff in two different camps. So uh, let's be kind to it for a little bit. What are some things that everyone likes about this episode? Um, you know, I called it endearing, but I mean, if 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 there's anything that you found positive about this episode, give it a compliment. I'll give it a uh, a sort of uh, a give and a take. Um, Riker enjoys himself, right? Riker uh-huh. is enjoying himself through the episode. And and it's clear, right? It's very clear that he is. He's having fun. Like, you could see it in his expressions. Um, that said, I'll, I'll give the, the, the downside of that is they think that the audience is so dumb that Troy has to come in and say, Riker is enjoying himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I, I wonder how much of that is like... Um, underestimating your audience or how much of this is literally like galaxy quest come to life right like sigourney weaver's character in galaxy quest were like i'm doing it again i'm just saying what the computer says like that's literally deanna troy's character where she just says the blatantly obvious most of the time yeah you know i mean that's that's a pretty well-worn trope at this point she's not really necessary in this one no um no that's true and I, i i could see that if they just needed to burn an extra five minutes sure but well, and given given the realities of this episode, I think uh, they had some time to fill. It's probably <laughs> they <all>. definitely did. <laughs> so, so Andrew, how about uh, how about you? Something that uh, uh, when you watch it and you're like, "Oh, this isn't half bad." Like, w- what makes you think that? Uh, NASA's in it. Uh, <laughs> fair. <laughs> the fair. NASA graphics <laughs> seem to be off off uh, angle. That seemed weird to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's a confusing mess of NASA graphics. They got they got the the worm in there, the uh, the original NASA logo, not the original, the '80s NASA logo, which is called the worm, which is where the N and the A and the S and the A all connect together. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. there's the uh-huh. then there's the uh, real NASA logo. Well, I don't. Maybe that's the wrong term. But the NASA logo they used oh, in the yeah, '60s okay. and '70s, and then back in the '90s. And on, which is called the meatball, which is the blue logo with the red, red thingamajig yeah. in it. Oh yeah, uh huh. Yep. So there's there's two, at, there's two different NASA logos now. 
And so apparently in 2030 something they switch back to the worm because NASA just likes to change this logo. I, I don't know. That is a good one. I mean, I, I think this is a trending hashtag now. It's you know bring back the worm. You know, if you hashtag. are listening to this, <laughs> you are in a car. Just pull over and Google image search NASA logo. Yep. Yeah. Just do that for a while. That's going to be your next minute and a half, and you're going to enjoy it. Fall well, down Paul, you're right. The, the NASA logo is slightly wrong. It doesn't yeah. connect the way it should. Yeah. Well, it's probably uh, because someone in the props department was just told, uh, there's a piece of crappy wood that we're going to burn, <laughs> uh, and then you need to paint on this, the NASA logo, just freehand it. You know, just, just make it happen. How much time do I have? I don't know, like an hour? God, <laughs> you know? I wonder if somebody has that, that prop. If that still exists in the world, I they threw that away. Man, if I, I they bet didn't, somebody on set grabbed it. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. And Andrew, it's... here's the question: If someone has that, I mean, should you set up a PO box where you can accept delivery of that? Because <laughs> it sounds like that's your piece of memorabilia, right there. I no, I don't want that. <laughs> I I do. <laughs> I you can have it, Paul. <laughs> So one of the things that I want to point out about this episode is that uh, I think another reason other than it just being like, this is pretty bad, and then, you know, being very (laughs) forthcoming with that, is that the whole vibe of this episode has the feel of, of a Star Trek episode really desperately wanting to be a Twilight Zone episode. Um, Yeah. That's a good call out. Yeah. 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 I mean, just everything from its presentation to its minimalism to its... I mean, you don't see that a lot in in Trek. Um, They'll usually try to get some sort of a background or some sort of a, you know, map painting or something to a stat. Like, they literally, like, the the image of just that revolving door in pure blackness with the gray, like, cloud overhead, um, that's some straight-up Twilight Zone stuff, like, right there. And... Well, and it's also the the reboot of the Twilight Zone. The what is it? The eighties, nineties version. Hmm. What do you, What do you mean by that? The, they rebooted it. Or am I thinking Outer Limits? No, they did both. Yeah, there was a new Twilight yeah. Zone, and there was a there was a new Outer. But it Limits. just yep. it just had that it had that feel of of eightiesness. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, an eighties take on a classic, like uh, because I, and I do think too. The premise is is kind of unnerving, right? That that you know, I think that's what got me when I was a kid was that you know when I watched this and and I, I was reading you know novels and and had unfortunately stumbled upon a couple that I thought were pretty crummy. That idea of being stuck inside of of a novel is a really romantic thing for a kid for a good one, but then realizing, Oh my God, there's a lot of bad books out there. And what if you got stuck in a bad one? And then like having them read this astronaut's epitaph where it's like, man, when death <laughs> comes, can't come soon enough. Cause Holy crap, this book is bad. Um, I think is actually kind of a really haunting concept. You know, and, and it's, it's strange because as I think to this episode, uh, and when I was thinking to this episode before I watched it again, a few times, um, it was my memory that that reveal happened at the end. Um, and mm. it was kind of shocking to me when it happens like maybe 20% in, quarter in. Yeah. Um, because I kind of remember it now, now that I, you said Twilight Zone, almost as a Twilight Zone episode where like that's the end game reveal where like, oh, it was all part of this thing and it, it, here's the astronaut. Um, as a finish, not necessarily that set up for the, the plan that eventually un, unfurls. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is interesting that that I sort of arranged that in my mind a different way. Yeah, well, and I think that is that difference is largely what brings it back to being a Star Trek episode, right? That I yeah. think I think that finish would be a good Twilight Zone episode, but then yeah. Yeah, 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 for our characters here, that's just the oh crap, so this thing isn't going to end. We got to find our setup, own yeah. way out. Yeah, it's exactly. the exposition. Yep. Um, another positive thing I would say the characters. All the characters, like, they're cliche, but they're so perfectly 80s doing the things they need to do, um, especially, like, the uh, the front desk clerk. Yep. is just so perfect in that role. So um, can we talk about him for a minute? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that's Sam Anderson. Uh-huh. I looked this guy yep. up, right? So if you remember Lost, he is Bernard in Lost. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yep. Whatever. Yep. 
if you remember uh, Forrest Gump, he's the he principal. Is, he's the oh, principal. Okay, okay. What bangs Forrest Gump's mom? I knew yeah. I recognized him from a bunch of places. But those are okay. those are, in my opinion, his two famous roles. Yeah. Has he done other things? But, oh, he's done a ton of stuff. He's okay, been okay. a consistent working actor for thirty years now. Yeah, I believe in the biz what they call a steady character actor. Um, yep, yes. yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> Forrest Gump. Oh, gosh. I, I think he'll forever go down in history as... <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. But, but he was he was great in this role. He was the he was best perfect. actor in this mm-hmm. entire show. I, yeah, definitely. The scene where, um, where they're talking to him as if he's anything other than a fictional character from, you know, question mark, question mark, 30s? Uh, Earth? You know, and they're like, you know, this planet, what do you call it? And his deadpan response of Earth, Earth. what do you call it? <laughs> you know, I thought was 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 really well done. Yeah. And um, even the character names, you know, like I think the bellboy is unnamed. He's he's pining after a, a woman named Rita and he's not afraid of Mickey D. You know, like all of it is just so cheesy and cliche and, and pretty perfect for being a crummy, you know dime store novel <laughs> oh man man yeah i'm just going through his, his uh imdb page and man just every every sitcom he's done everything yeah yeah oh he's an air man airplane too like i don't know why that surprises me but new heart um boy so you you I, should look up the guy that played texas uh, oh, Tex. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He yeah. also oh. has done everything. I don't know who this guy is, but he has been in everything from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, well, he was, that, so this guy was also Mr. Gorpley on Perfect Strangers. That's where I'm recognizing <laughs> him from. The name is uh, Noble Willingham uh, is, is who you're looking for. And, uh, yeah, he's he's been around a little bit. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, if you go to his IMDb page uh, while you're listening to this, uh, check this out. He was in uh, Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. <laughs> oh yes, he was. A <laughs> uh, bunch of uh, appearances in Walker, Texas Ranger, um, in City Slickers Two, The Legend of Curly's Gold. Couple, everything. Couple episodes of Murder She Wrote, uh, Northern Exposure. Uh, he was John Binford of Binford Tools and Home Improvement. Right. Um, Airwolf. It was an airwolf, damn. Yeah. So again, yeah, they 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 pulled in some some working yeah, actors they, here to sell this. Yeah, they definitely did this crummy episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that's well, and that's the thing. I think I don't think anybody doing this was thinking it was going to be something amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? These these this was not a role that was going to put Sam Anderson on the map. No. Right, he was doing this for a paycheck, and he was having fun with it. He was yeah. not here for an Oscar or an Emmy, um, and and I, it, it seems like everybody kind of had a feel that this was not really a, a, a grand slam of an episode. This was just one for a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. And so once this... they realize that, like nobody's nobody's doing things. They're not hamming it up. They're not you know trying to make this seem like it's more important than it is. <laughs> they're just doing what it takes. This is one reason why one of the main writers left the uh, left the show. Yeah, I was reading about that actually. Yeah. Um, Mel Torme's son, whatever his name is. Oh, uh, so you're talking about Tracy Torme? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, this um, yeah, you've, I'm glad you you brought this up because we can uh, we can kind of segue into this. So so Tracy Torme um, had been trying to get this episode done for a while. Um, it was actually originally pitched as a as a script called the Blue Moon Hotel, um, and they wanted to get it into the first season, but it just it never got on the list. Um, Greenlight came about around the second season, um, but because this was right around the time that that Maurice Hurley had had really kind of cemented himself as as the showrunner, um, Maurice Hurley aggressively rewrote this episode. Um, you know, trimmed things, moved things around. So, so Tracy Torme's name is actually nowhere on this. Um, re- actually, uh, I requested the pseudonym Keith Mills to protest the rewrites by Maurice Hurley. Um, Hurley apparently didn't like the surrealism that was in it. Um, 
claimed that the premise was was pretty derivative of a couple of original series episodes, and so tried to try to change significant parts of it. In fact, uh, Tracy Torme has a quote here that says, "I've completely disowned the piece. I suppose skeletally it's my story, but when I started to reread the rewrite, I got ten pages through it and I got sort of a cold chill and had to put it down." An interesting thing is that the cast, the crew, and even the secretaries went out of their way to tell me how much they liked my draft, and they asked me in a totally puzzled manner what on earth had happened and why that it why had it been changed. Um, so this this episode, um, yeah, went went through the meat grinder essentially before before we got to see it, um, which begs the question: I wonder what the original was like. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's so, man, there's so many Star Trek episodes that have just been rewritten so much. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not sure what else you would put in here because it is pretty skeletal. Uh, I guess this realism would help more of it. Right? It doesn't hurt to just have more of those things in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I again, it, it, it's not much in there. They go to a casino. They realize they need to get some money, so they win some money, and then they leave. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> my, <laughs> but, but my guess is that, like, I can kind of see where this is coming from, because if you, if you think about the episode and, like, right up until the point that they walk in the casino, um, it's a really different feeling episode. And For then sure. as soon as you get through those spinning uh, doors, it's basically just a building, you know? Uh, it's a building that happens to be inside of a crummy novel, and that's kind of like the, you know, that's the angle on it. But you go back to that first establishing shot of there being no actual physical building there and just this weird revolving door. Like, I imagine a lot of the episode was probably filled with more imagery like that. Um, It kind of also reminds me a little bit of like, I don't know if you guys ever remember the show Twin Peaks, Um, Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of surrealistic imagery in that show. Um, and I, I can imagine this was going to be a lot more like that. I also, in my mind, for some reason, kind of conflate this with, um, and this would have added more surrealism to it, um, but like a, a, a um, Groundhog Day premise, that, that the idea is they need to go in there and they need to do something, and until they do it right, it just keeps going back to the start. Mm. That would have been a better episode. Yeah. I have no idea why I think this episode was like that at some point because, well, because it's clearly it, not, but but so you can see one, how it would work, right? At one point, the astronaut guy says he he survived 38 years of this. And yeah. it's like, so this, like, 30-minute segment was going on for 38 years. Right. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. So that it would have been cool if it was a Groundhog Day until they figured it out. Like, yeah. And they could have replaced so much of the stuff where they cut back to the Enterprise. Yeah, and, go, and that's let's, we need to find out how to communicate. Why is Riker such a bastard? Why doesn't he follow orders? Like, come, it's well, yeah, because there's a lot of setup that feels like they're killing time. But you're right. Part of the problem is that it feels like there's not much going on. Um, but then the the question would be, well, like, where do you get the extra time? But it is. It's all the Enterprise stuff that like is complete throwaway. There's, yeah. there's there was a nothing... whole bunch. There was a whole like five minutes of, on Fermat's theorem. It's like oh come on. oh yeah. <laughs> By the way, so so Andrew mentioned Fermat's theorem. We could talk about the fact that the bummer is that it's been solved since this episode aired. It has oh, been solved. Interestingly enough, there was a the retcon. 90s. There was a retcon on DS9 oh. that said, "Oh, we did solve it," but Fermat said something about it being like an elegant proof, and the proofs that we have are not elegant hmm. why don't we tell that to the guy in the 90s who proved yeah. it that it wasn't very <laughs> elegant <laughs> yeah um, i think they revised it in like 2010 uh and made it more elegant the, yes. uh, i'm saying that and it sounds like a joke but i think that's actually true yeah the uh the royale aired in 1989 uh six years before a proof of fermat's last theorem was published by a gentleman by the name of andrew wiles um Fermat's original proof is still unknown. Mathematicians now believe that Fermat was mistaken in believing that he had solved the problem. But uh, but yeah, it, it definitely has been it has been solved since this episode. Speaking of uh, science mishaps, they also Jordy, I think it's Jordy, or maybe it showed up on the screen. But they say the surface temp, the mean surface temp, is negative two ninety one Celsius, which is below zero Kelvin. 
<laughs> awesome. Which I caught on first view. It's like, ooh, 291. It's a little low. Like, whoa. Yeah, maybe in the 24th century they figured out that you could go below zero Kelvin. Below absolute zero? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to emphasize <laughs> theoretically what that would mean. <laughs> maybe absolute isn't as absolute as we thought, so like Paul. Anti temperature? Because it would have to be anti temperature. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so clearly, again, we're getting into uh, the part of the, the episode that doesn't work. No, but yeah, and that's like, that's a good six minutes, seven minutes, that if you knock that off, you, you know, you loop through this thing two or three times, and yeah, that's an extra bit of yeah, yeah. Oh, they I also really... they also brought in uh, Catherine Pulaski to... Uh... Oh, I was going to say that! <laughs> I, Speaking man, of stuff that you okay, can just you cut were, right there out. There was no reason, there was <laughs> no I, reason I for it. I that she was here. <laughs> I forgot she was in the episode. Thanks for reminding me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, like, she's there to basically say... What did she even do? So, uh, right after they discover, uh, you know, unfrozen caveman lawyer or, you know, the the NASA guy in the bed who's like, kill me. Um, This book sucks. (laughs) They cut back to the ship for more meaningless nonsense where they're like, I don't know, could we blow a hole in the bubble with the phasers? Um, Which they think would allow them to beam the away team out, but bummer, it would allow the colder than absolute zero atmosphere (laughs) to rush in. <laughs> they they cart in Pulaski so she can say, "Oh yeah, totally. That would uh, that would happen, and they would be instantly frozen." But I could probably revive them. <laughs> um, so you know, she thinks that she could probably revive a flash frozen away team. Um, so that's why there was I'm... no reason for her in this episode. Yeah, there's and, just and yeah. I wanted to get through a whole episode without her. Yep. Well, and, and I guess uh, that's about as little as we can get. And and yeah, I think definitely tossing her in for the credit at this point. Yeah, it really highlights how little the stuff on the ship is needed. Like I think if I had to guess too, that was probably the other part that was heavily rewritten. As I could imagine, an episode which is almost exclusively in this weird hotel place. Because um, I think that would build more tension if they were completely cut off versus just you know having to bounce back well and, forth. and and that does tie in with another episode that i conflate this with which is a deep space nine episode a very late one i, I didn't check when, where it is and but bada bing bada boom where um they get trapped on the holodeck with victor fontaine and have to perform a casino heist to get out uh-huh. um yep. and basically get money buy things leave same same idea right um but instead of cheating at the craps table they have to like steal it or uh, it's been a while since i've seen that one but um, so, I think I get those conflated in my mind too, and that might be where some of this comes from. But um, speaking of which, this whole thing is a giant holodeck. Like, yeah, they get. Why yeah, are they confused. not fascinated by this technology and yeah. trying to figure out? Well, and why are they confused? They get in there and they're like, "These people don't have life signs. Like, what in the world is going on?" It's like, mm, can you not imagine that this might be like <laughs> the thing you have in your ship? It doesn't even have to be big, right? Their holodeck isn't big, but it can make big things. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is not surprising to them. Yeah. But they act very confused that somebody else might have a holodeck. Yeah. No, that uh, that's... I didn't even think about that, but but you're right. I mean, that, that should be the least mystifying part of the entire experience. <laughs> Would be like, oh, yeah, we got one of those. Moving we right got along. That, we got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the peripheral characters, and I would like to discuss... Uh, Texas. I was hoping you'd said Texas. Oh, God, yes. I love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like to discuss, what is her name who is with Texas? Vanessa, I think. That sounds right. They say it once at the end of the episode when they're playing craps. And I think it's Vanessa. I'm looking it up on... Yeah, it's Vanessa. Nice. Yep. So... Oh what, boy! Yeah. What, what do we think about them? <laughs> so eighties. So may, may I? Yeah. May I for a second? Yes, for it. you may. I I wrote down several of his quotes, and the, my favorite is, "If you're gonna win, you're gonna hit." <laughs> <laughs> That's it right there. That is uh, that is the Texas <laughs> mindset. Let's <laughs> see. That's the lifestyle. I mean, you got to hit us with more of those. 
I always got one. He's like, boy, you have got the brass. Yep, yep. That's, uh, uh-huh, yep. I believe that's right as Data is heating up, is it not? That, uh, or is he, I'm trying to remember when that comes out. He says that to Data, I think. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah, he has some yeah. great interchanges with Data. Oh, and Data's good in this. Like, I, I like, I like Data in this one because he's clearly just kind of going with it. Um, and I think what I like about it is that Data getting caught up in the situation, um, trying to be, you know, part of the part of the action, trying to be a character in the novel almost. Yeah. He almost shows a little too much emotion towards the end, but like true, that's that's like my this episode. It's, that's it's... like my favorite part of this episode. Yeah, yeah, is when he starts he starts throwing the dice. Yeah. Yep. He and does he's start just, showing he's much more emotion than, than Data normally has yet. But again, I'm not going to fault it in an episode like this. It's so <laughs> it, that's that's such a nitpicky thing when we're talking about much bigger problems. But I do also like the um, uh, as they're getting ready to, to to get down to business at the craps table, and I still can't figure out if he's correcting a flaw in the yeah, dice. Yeah, I wrote that down. Or, or is he them? or is he loading them exactly? Yeah, I wrote. Did he? <laughs> Fix the dice or <laughs> fix the dice? <laughs> and I think it's better that we don't know. <laughs> but it is, it is that I had that question where I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Because he well, just, he goes like, on the hottest streak I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, like 18 or 19 throws, right? And it's yeah. like, he's definitely doing it, yeah. right? He's definitely cheating. Like, well, as a machine, he can throw it exactly the same way every exactly, time. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, that's. So even if the device. Even if the dice are balanced the way they should be, he he could throw those dice exactly the same way and get seven every time. Exactly, and I think that that's that's it would be hard to imagine a take on this episode where that was not what you assumed, right? <laughs> yeah, where somehow Data's not cheating, just yeah, how he's going about it. Yeah, well, he realizes this isn't real, right? He's not cheating people he's cheating this imaginary world that is only in existence for them yeah right it is basically the holodeck yep yep it's a weird situation it's a yeah. very weird situation yeah let me ask you guys a question when you play craps well is that called crapping <laughs> is that is that is that a is that a good crap is it uh <laughs> i don't i don't know um I don't believe I've feel, ever played a game so, of craps in my life. It does feel like they got somebody who had like gone to Vegas a few times and didn't have a great grip of all the games to, to like describe yeah. how these play out. Yeah. Um, Riker at one point says like six is in. I forget exact exact wording and, and his wording. I don't know. There might be something small in it, but he he says that the odds of a six are the same as the odds of a seven on a, on two dice throw. At the same time, it's like, well, that's not true. <laughs> it's like, like maybe Riker doesn't know that, but I'm not sure if the episode is supposed to know that. Yeah. And yeah. again, small things, but yeah. Well, and I mean, so we. Oh, Texas. That's right. Sorry. While we're on probabilities, Texas is also like, oh, you just got five card twenty-one or something, and it's like, and then Data shows the cards, and it's like, well. He's like, why did you hit when you had four cards? It's like, well, he has a whole bunch of twos. <laughs> like, of course he would hit when he has that. He he says that Data shouldn't hit without knowing the cards that Data has in his hand. It's like, that's just weird. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it's there's a lot in this episode that I think is just weird, and I think that's, um, you know, ultimately why I, I think we've already kind of outlined all the reasons why it doesn't work, you know, without getting super nitpicky. Um, there, there just really isn't ironically for there being as dire of a situation as, as they seem to be in. It never really feels like it. Um, Oh yeah. There's no, no threat here. Yeah. There's, there's right. no real like tension to well, the episode. Cause there's no ticking clock. They, they outline the fact that this other guy had 38 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like worst case scenario, they have 38 years to figure out this problem, right? Yeah. Like it might take them a while and they might have to suffer through this story, but they have a ship in orbit. The last guy didn't. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think I almost wonder if there there would have been ways to maybe make that seem more dire. You know, I mean, imagine just I think a quick fix for this episode is um, this is the shuttle mission that went wrong. Right. Um, sure. Sudden, sure. Suddenly, that's that's way more of a of a dire situation, or seemingly a more dire situation. Plus, it also has the byproduct of eliminating all of the nonsense that happens on the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they still have to be like searching for the shuttle, but I mean, that's a different conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that would make it better. Yeah, yeah, crash-landed shuttle mission. And I don't. I, I mean, <laughs> I also think that it's like the the conclusion of this episode while being kind of fun because it's just like oh they're they're <laughs> Riker says uh you know something about when the train comes in every uh everybody rides and you know some, <laughs> yep, yep, some yep. spreading around money and you know that because they're they're trying to reenact the the foreign investors and and I like how that's like a code word that almost activates the the yep and the door's <laughs> like check <laughs> You fulfilled that one. Achievement unlocked. Yeah, what What if their away team had been two members, four members? Yeah. Anything other than three? Yeah. If it was two, they would have just been like, hey, could you send down somebody else? <laughs> just beam them outside, and when they see the creepy spinning doors, just tell them to walk through and don't yep. insult Mickey D. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what else would have fixed it uh, or, or helped would be if – so they have problems communicating with the ship. Um if it had been that there was some time dilation and like time was passing faster for them in there. Um, and so then like Jordy fixed it by storing up a buffer and then playing it slower or something like that. Um, yeah. That would also challenge the communication back and forth. Um, and then it would put more threat on it, right? That sure that guy lasted 38 years, but 38 years might be like a hundred years outside, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh um yeah there's there's just I think I think the episode for all of the <clears throat> kind of mystique that it has about it like it it just it very quickly kind of just falls into a dumb do this then do this then do this um yeah, it's very much a then b yep there's no surprises done. yeah yep exactly um and I, and I think that's why it's it's kind of you know, Andrew, I think that's why the thing you remembered most about this episode is the NASA logo, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I well, remember seeing this as a kid. And that's what stuck in my mind. And, and I was like, oh, there's an episode about NASA uh, in season two. Okay, I want to I do that one. Yep. There's, there's an interesting point to be made there, though, that I, I will say about a lot of episodes that they're forgettable. Um, this one is not forgettable. Right, you'll forget parts of it, but I don't think that you could forget this one. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Different. That's it, true. It's, it's, it doesn't make it better, but it. I mean, again, I'll talk a lot about. You know, they're taking swings here. Um, they took a swing on this one, and whether or not it hit, like they came up with something that was unique and kind of weird, but unique. Uh, and that doesn't always hit, but I so, like that they were trying. So I'm going to I'm going to take a slightly different. I'm just going to throw this out there. Um and, and I kind of wish if if we weren't going in order, I know exactly what we would do next, <laughs> which is Paul, you threw out a Deep Space 9 episode with a very similar premise and what was the name of that one again? Uh bada bing bada boom. Bada yep, bada, uh, bada bang. Sorry, bada bing bada bang. Bada bing bada bang. So, uh and I do remember that episode and that that super is super late. Episode yeah. 15 of season 7. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So th that's clearly like the no war this week. We're just going to goof around in the holodeck. Yep. 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 Um, <clears throat> so the premise of uh, that premise from this episode uh, probably executed better in, in, in that Deep Space Nine episode. A la trapped inside a simulation. Got to gotta pull a heist to get out yep. kind of thing. Yep. There's also, as soon as you mentioned that, my my uh, memory was going back to an episode I couldn't remember. I just looked it up. There's a Voyager episode, a Star Trek Voyager uh, season six, episode eight. It's called One Small Step, uh, which takes the lost astronaut crew aspect um, exclusively out of this episode and does that way better. Um, 
I actually remember this being kind of a cool ship uh, or kind of a cool uh, episode because they find the ship of uh, I think it's called the Ares 4 um, which was a pr- supposed to be a deep space manned space mission and it was lost um, mm. and they find it in the uh, in the Delta Quadrant um, kind oh, of yeah. an interesting yeah. kind of an interesting premise um, so <laughs> you know if you want to I guess what, what I'm trying to say is this episode is not good <laughs> Um, it has some interesting ideas in it. They just fail to execute. And Star Trek being as long-running as it is, um, it, it's kind of fascinating to me that both of the main ideas in this episode that we kind of latched onto, i.e., you know, this weird simulation that in a casino and Lost Astronauts are both central to different series as episodes and better executed. You know, now that you mentioned that Voyager episode, I, I remember that now. Um, that one's kind of forgettable. It was a good episode, but um, as I'm scrolling through the memory alpha page on it, they have a funeral for the guy at the end because they find his body and then bring it back, which makes me realize that in this one, they go through all that stuff at the end, and then they're like, hey, should we grab the body? Nah, nah, nah. We, we just, <laughs> it's just spread around the money, and don't worry. He's fine here. Like, <laughs> they definitely could have grabbed the body and like giving him a proper funeral instead of just leaving him in the hotel royale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which yeah. presumably continued to persist yep <laughs> probably just probably there in less than absolute zero temperatures preserved Do you think they just like beamed forever. down a, a, a sign in front of the door like a just an a-frame sign that said like don't go through this door do not enter <laughs> Do you, do you think they could have left a probe? At, you know, they don't even mention any of that when the episode ends. Like, hey, we should leave a probe that tells nobody to go down to the surface. Or, hey, oh, go yeah. investigate why this alien thing is here and what technology it uses. Well, and I'm they, glad you brought that moving up. On. How yeah. does it end? Actually, now that... <laughs> it ends in like five seconds. It's I've like... watched, I swear I've watched this a few times, but I cannot, for the life of me at the moment, tell you how it ends. Um, this is the story of this episode, I think. Back, so I think... here's the final paragraph in Memory Alpha, if you're ready for this. Um, the the foreign investors, blah, 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 revolving doors, they beam back to the ship. Back on the ship, Riker visits Picard in his ready room. Riker still wonders how such a primitive ship made it this far. Picard suggests that maybe the aliens who made the casino brought the colonel there, but also suggests that... Like Fermat's last theorem, they may never solve the puzzle of the Hotel Royale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they had to make that call back at the end. That's why I just blocked that one out. Sure did. Yeah. I'm just shaking my head. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I've got so many questions and and so many questions that a ship of science in the 24th century should also have and possibly try to find out but like they don't even seem to care who these aliens are <laughs> like are the aliens there or did they just set this up and then leave like is this their home world i mean these are the questions you have too i'm sure yes but <laughs> um yeah yeah you would think that they would like dig a little more yeah. I would I would even ask, what are the aliens? Because at one point they're like, oh, the aliens showed up and they infected our crew. And it's like, what do you mean infected? Yeah. Are these bac- are these aliens bacteria? Yep. Or yeah. are they I'm now aliens? scrolling through memory alpha like there's an answer there. There's no answer. <laughs> there's no, there isn't. And, and, and I think ultimately that's where this episode falls down the most, is that in a lot of shows that would be a problem. Um, but maybe something you could forgive. But the whole idea of Star Trek is seek out new life, uh, encounter new civilizations. Like, there's a really weird civilization that did a bunch of crazy crap to an astronaut from yesteryear, and they don't care at all. (laughs) Like, they don't, they can't even be bothered to, none of the characters on screen at all even wonders anything allowed about these people who seemingly set this whole thing up like they just take it on face value and don't don't ever question anything beyond it which uh, that's that's so weird like that's just that's the part that really sits with me is like well and that's where it feels more like a twilight zone and less like a star trek right yeah because aliens you know yeah Yeah. because because it is because magic (laughs) right yep yep 
Yeah. So, I mean, ugh. I, I still... So I guess, I mean, I don't know if you guys have a ton more to talk about. I mean, I think you could nitpick this episode to I'm death really easily. I'm surprised we got this much talking out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we really did. Um, so, I, I don't, I don't I have, know. I have a whole page of notes here that we didn't touch on, but that's I, okay. This is a strange one because the same thing, like, I about halfway through this realized that I hadn't opened my notes. And, like, there's, yeah, this episode, there's so much that just sticks with you without even looking at the notes yeah yeah i I also couldn't take many notes there's not much to take notes on i I do have two very serious questions okay so whenever the bellhop shows up (laughs) yeah music starts playing and it's like (laughs) you know Uh uh and i and i actually wrote down this reminds me of twin peaks that music yep um are Riker, wharf and data hearing that music Like, is that part of the whole scenario there, or is that just for us? Well, or is is that music playing in the hotel, and they're like, "This is interesting. This is part of the novel." But would it have been in the novel? Right, it wouldn't have been in the novel that, like, when this character shows up, he has an accompanying soundtrack. It's it's a novel, not a screenplay. It's a terrible novel, so maybe it is actually. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Maybe it is. So yeah. (laughs) Well, and also, Paul. But no, I I think. I think whenever you have a script which uh, deals in the surreal, um, you kind of have to ask that question because that's a fair question of not only this episode, but any holodeck episode. But I mean, in particular, it's a novel brought to life, not even like a translation from uh, from novel to screenplay, which would be one thing which does add a soundtrack. But this is a, a translation from novel to live interactive simulation. I, I choose, this is the path that I choose. My head canon uh, will say that, that that's totally a thing that everyone is hearing. Like, like <laughs> right? That's, that's how yeah. I interpret it. have to be, it. right? I would yeah. like to think that too. The, the <laughs> question would be how much they extrapolated, though, right? That, that, like, pretty much everything that happens has to have happened in the book. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but I mean, there's got to be some interpretation. The mannerisms would be, yeah, because they interact with them, so. Yeah, I mean, when you read a when, when you read a book, there's general character descriptions, but I mean, they're they're not going to. I mean, you'd have well, to you have to adapt everything. These, these aliens only had contact with one living human. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Any human mannerisms would be either either from the book or from him. Well, um, and, th- and that's the other thing too. Like, I mean, like, ah, God, like, how did so they they only saw one guy? Like, maybe presumably like four other well, guys, like before, before they, they melted. Them? Boy, yeah. yeah. But like, so then, how do they from that? Oh God! After seeing only that few humans, how do they like create a whole varied room of humans? You know, like and how, and how did they get the '80s fashion so correct? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh man, so many questions! Oh my God, it's all coming down like a house of cards. No. <laughs> Oh, did, so that was that was one. Uh, did you have another no, question, Andrew? Number two. All right. So I'm watching this episode. They're in, they're in the room with the astronaut, uh-huh. and and Worf opens up the drawer and takes out two books. Mm-hmm. One is clearly the novel, and I was desperately hoping that the second was Gideon's Bible. I was going to say a Gideon <laughs> Bible. It's gotta be. Gotta be. It, it was not. Well, maybe it was that he turned into a journal, but who knows? Oh, and they, true. Yeah. And I was hoping that hoping that Worf would be like, "What's this? Yeah. I don't understand." Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Oh man. Hand a Gideon Bible to Worf and have him. Ah, oh, jeez. Have him like from a Klingon perspective dissect uh, Judeo-Christian <laughs> philosophy. Oh my God, that would be so great. Like another missed opportunity. Holy crap. Oh. I mean, just, Worf wouldn't have been able to... Well, okay, Data would have been. If Data picked it up, he could have just flipped through the pages and been like, hmm, and then have read the whole thing, yeah, right? Right, yeah. Yep. Boy. But have Worf pick it up. I mean, he's bored, right? There's trying to figure out what to do. Like, oh, man. Oh, so then he's just, like, sitting in a chair in the corner the rest of the episode reading it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And every time they cut to him, he's just, like, another tenth of the way through the book. <laughs> Yeah, and have him provide critiques on biblical characters. Oh, and now, uh, if, we were, if we were writing it as the um, Groundhog Day, that would work, right? That right. like every loop he reads another like tenth of the book. Oh man, this <laughs> so they many missed out. out. Yeah. Oh god, this could have been great. Okay, so we just need to add in the Groundhog Day aspects. <laughs> that aspect. Um, By the way, this would have been all the book- ship stuff. 
This would mm-hmm. have been before Groundhog's Day. Yeah, yeah. It would if have been, they had yeah, done it. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would have been an original premise. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what do we say about this one? Um, our mission to create a uh, a, a watch list uh, that's, um, we'll say, with the first time or the newly initiated Star Trek fan in mind, do we add this to our essential list or do we say warp speed right on by this mysterious hotel that's below zero Kelvin? Andrew, what do you say? Skip it. Skip it. Skip it. Move yeah. on. Absolutely no reason to watch. Very entertaining. No reason to watch it. Paul? Yeah, this is this is definitely in the spirit of that original. Like, if you have a friend that's sitting next to you and has never seen this stuff before, you don't have the scaffolding required to appreciate this episode. <laughs> um, that said, and, and sometimes I... I I sometimes don't like it when when guests hedge their their responses. But if you are a Star Trek fan and you have seen a lot of Star Trek, and this is not sounding familiar to you, go back and watch this one because you might enjoy it in some weird ways. Yeah, um, but definitely, definitely not on your first pass. Definitely not on your first pass. Yeah, anything I would say would be redundant. Absolutely, all those things. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, this this adds nothing to the canon. Adds nothing oh, yeah, to yeah. the lore. Yeah. You can keep. You can move right by this and come back to it later and go "Eh, it's kind of entertaining yeah yeah if this was if this was a season seven episode it would be the same episode Mm if right it hasn't yeah non-canonical yeah yep but god what a weird curiosity cool (laughs) (laughs) andrew uh you sure can pick them uh thanks for uh thanks for joining us for this conversation of the royale this was my pleasure. This uh, you know, I went back and forth. Good, bad, good, bad. I think I landed on it's good, but don't watch it. Yeah. 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 Is there yeah. is there anything that uh you would like to be known for or about online or anywhere else? Your chance for a cheap plug or shall you remain as anonymous as the uh as the mysterious royale? Uh there there is one thing and I didn't do this last time I meant to do it, but I want to give a shout out to my brother in a very specific way. We grew up watching Star Trek, and uh, we used to say this to each other all the time. Human, play dumb jot. Human, <laughs> play dumb jot. I love the fact that growing up, you guys were imitating Nausicans. <laughs> <laughs> Human, play dumb jot. Human. <laughs> nice. Oh, man, that would have been so much better to have in this episode. Oh, and we'll get there one episode at a time. <laughs> Until then, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. Load those dice, man. Load those dice. Fix them. Fix. I'm making air quotes all over the place. Fix. 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 <laughs> Hooey! <laughs> <laughs> Time to get out of business. Man, you sound just like my ex-wife. Run them, boy. Make them nice, because they don't bread now. If you've got to win, you've got to hit. Boy, you have got the brass. And I'm getting off at this station. I'm betting against you, fellas. That's what horse racing's about. Roll boy. Seven, seven a winner. <laughs> the man has the touch. What was it? I mean, was it personal or, or what? Because I didn't show him a car? I like you, fellas. You got style. Let me buy you guys a drink. <laughs>